Hello, and welcome to the Calvary Road Baptist Church Podcast. I'm Pastor Paul Shirley, and I'd like to thank you for taking the time to listen. Each week, we will be releasing sermons and studies delivered directly from the pulpit at our church. Our goal with this podcast from Calvary Road Baptist Church is to make the gospel and sound biblical preaching more available to a wider audience. We hope that these sermons will be a blessing and an encouragement to you each week. As the scripture reads in Psalm 119 and verse 116, Uphold me according unto thy word, that I may live, and let me not be ashamed of my hope. Now, let's hear from God's word. Ephesians chapter 4, we're going to go back uh, and have another message this morning concerning unity. We're looking in this passage in Ephesians chapter 4. Today, we're going to be continuing there in verse Number five, last week the Lord uh, brought me to that verse and we, we spoke about the unity of lordship and how that Jesus Christ is our Lord. Amen. Amen. He is our King, and our Master, and our Savior, uh, but that the fact that He is those things doesn't necessarily mean that He is those things to you. Amen. <clears throat> that there, is, there must be a personal, one-on-one submission where you submit your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. I remember as a young man, I was saved when I was eight years old, and I remember being, uh, you know, I think I was 13 or so when the Lord began to deal with my heart and tell me that He wanted me to preach. And I was terrified of that, uh, for one thing, because growing up in a preacher's home and sitting under my dad, and, and, you know, if I were to be honest, a lot of the people in my life that I would consider heroes were preachers. And so when the Lord began to deal with me about being a preacher, I thought, I was afraid rather, that it was just, you know, self-will. You know, just me wanting that. And I was trying to will it into existence. And so I was afraid to submit to that. But I remember a particular service, and honestly, I don't know what was being preached on, anything like that, but the Lord set in on my heart in such a way that I knew without a doubt in that moment that the Lord was calling me into His service. And that was the night where I came to the Lord and I said, Lord, you know, you saved me, but I'm giving you my whole life. And I submitted fully under the Lord's will that night. And when I got up from the altar, uh, I, just, I just stood up. And, and when they asked, for, they asked for testimonies at the end, I raised my hand and my dad let me come up. He had no idea what I was going to do. And I told the whole church that I was called to preach. And he about passed out behind me. That was fun. Amen. I think it was scarier for him than it was for me. Uh, But the fact was, there was that moment in my life where the Lord became my Savior as a young boy, but there was another moment in my life, years later, when He became my Lord, when I submitted myself to His will. And I've not always followed that the way I should, and I've not always done right, but I can honestly say from that moment, my life changed, and the direction of my life changed. And just as it did for me, and just as it has for so many others, It's got to do that for you too. If we want to be in unity and serving the Lord, then each individual in the church needs to submit their life to the will of God. But today we're going to look at verse number 5 again. Let's go ahead and read down from Ephesians chapter 4, verse number 1 down through verse number 6. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with longsuffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, 
even as you are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. This morning I want to preach on this thought of the unity of faith. Let's pray. Father, Lord, we thank You so much for this day. God, we thank You, Lord, for the Lord's Day. Thank You, God, for this hour when we can come together, Lord, and we can worship You in the Spirit and in truth. God, I thank You, Lord, for the singing that we've heard this morning from deep and wide, from the little ones to, to the congregational singing, to the choir singing, Lord, how that I have felt Your Spirit in this place today. God, Lord, I don't take for granted, Lord, that Your Spirit would speak to our hearts. And God, Lord, that You'd give us comfort and that You'd give us joy. Uh, God, that You'd give us that peace, Lord, and that we could feel You move through this place this morning. I thank You, God, that You've taken the time already to meet with us, Lord, at Calvary Road Baptist Church. God, I pray now, if You would, Lord, please anoint me as Your preacher. God, to deliver this Word to these people, Lord, that it would be effective in their hearts and in their minds. And God, it would not be, oh, well, some nice word was said or some, some nice thing was said, but God, that it would be the Word of God that's delivered to our hearts. We need You this morning. Help us, Lord. We love You. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> the word faith in the Bible is undeniably a key word in our entire religion, if we could say it that way. And to be honest, I kind of I tend to stray away from that word religion a little bit because that word religion has somewhat of a negative connotation at times because that word religion is often used to refer to a sort of ritualism rather than a realism, if I could say it that way. But the fact still stands that this word faith is so undeniably key and potent and powerful and specific and important in our world and in our faith and in our religion and in what we know and believe that it cannot be separated from us. Faith is one of the most important things, if not the most important thing, that we have been given by God, specifically to each individual. That God has given to us faith. He's given that to us. The Bible teaches us that the Lord put faith inside of every living creature. And whether you are a Christian or whatever you may be in your life, throughout your life, you exercise your faith. You do on a regular basis. In the book of Hebrews chapter 11, we have the scriptural definition of the word faith. Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 1, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Faith is the ability of a person, a man or a woman, to believe in something and to hope in something that they have not seen. Amen. There is coming a day, and what a day that will be, when our faith becomes sight. But we do not live by sight. I have never seen with my eyes the Lord Jesus in the flesh. I've never seen that. I've never seen with my eyes the resurrection of the dead. That, we, that, that the Lord did there on that day in Calvary as He rose there from the tomb on the third day. I've never seen those things. I have seen some things. <clears throat> but I believe <clears throat> in those things. And the way that I can do that is that God has given me faith. 
just as He's given you faith. And you exercise your faith on a daily basis. When you got up this morning and got dressed, and you went into your bathroom, and you went to wash your hands or take a shower or brush your teeth, and you turned that knob, you did so believing that when you did, water was going to come out of it. When you went out to your car and you put the key in there and you turned it, you did it believing that it was going to start up and go. And by the way, it don't always start up and go. Amen. I found that up at Lowe's the other day when my truck would not start up and go. It was just a loose battery cable, so it was okay. But I believed when I, I was just going to crank up and go, but I found out in that moment that that was not going to be the case. But faith is something that God has given us because it is a power, if you will, an ability that every man and every woman needs in life. We cannot operate without faith. We can't. But when we speak about faith here in the book of Ephesians chapter 4, we're speaking about faith under the banner of the, uh, the subject matter, if you will, in this passage. And the subject, the, the, the overarching theme of Ephesians chapter one or chapter 4, verse 1 through 6 is unity. <laughs> one body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith. So he's speaking about the unity of faith. And when we read Hebrews 11, we understand that is an explanation of the nature of faith. It's what faith is. But in Ephesians chapter 4, Paul is being a little bit more specific. He's not just speaking about a generalized faith. He's speaking about a specific faith. He's not speaking about the nature of faith. He's speaking about a needful faith. And that faith is the saving faith, if you will, of the Scriptures. There is only one faith that will get you to heaven. There is only one faith that will bring you into being a part of the family of God. And it is not faith in anything or anyone other than the Lord Jesus Christ. It's one faith. It's not multiple faiths. It's not multiple facets of faith. It is one faith. Now the fact of the matter is, this church may believe based on the Scriptures a certain doctrine or a certain fact, and someone down the road might preach this little thing a little different, or that little thing a little different, but they still preach the Gospel of Christ, and it is the power of God and the salvation, and it's still one faith. Now there may be facets of doctrine, but there is only one faith. And you cannot be part of the way to being that faith. You're either a part of that faith, and you're in that faith, or you're not. Amen. There's really only black and white in this matter. There's no gray concerning this faith. This faith is in the Lord Jesus Christ and Him alone. Let's take a look at that first. I want you to see the person of faith. And I've already told you, <coughs> I just said it, we understand that the person of faith is the Lord Jesus Christ. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse number 1 says this, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Verse number 2 tells us emphatically that the Lord Jesus Christ is the author and finisher of our faith. That means He is the all in all of our faith. Amen. 
that really when it comes right down to it, <coughs> nothing else really matters outside of the Lord Jesus Christ when it comes to our faith. That everything else is built upon Him as the foundation of our faith. Amen. And the Word of God, who being Jesus Christ, as the Bible tells us, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God, that our faith must solely and emphatically and completely be placed upon the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's see His creation of our faith, where it says there, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. It, of our faith. it began with Christ, and it will end with Christ. In the faith, no doctrine is king, no idea is king, no man's way is not king, but Christ is the king of our faith. Amen. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse number 9. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that He by the grace of God should taste death for every man. For it became Him, for whom are all things, and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons unto glory, to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. For both that He sanctifieth and they who are sanctified are all of one, for which cause He is not ashamed to call them brethren. The Lord Jesus Christ, it tells us there in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 10, it said, It became Him for whom are all things, and by whom are all things. Jesus Christ was there in the beginning. He was in the beginning with God. He was there when God made the covenant with Abraham, and therefore established the future of reconciliation for all men, and with God that Jesus Christ would one day by His sufferings, as it said there in verse number 10, reconcile, being the captain of our salvation, all men unto Himself. <coughs> Amen. He looked down at us, His creation, the creation of God, whom God upholds by the word of His power, who is the Lord Jesus Christ, the express image of God, made a little lower than the angels, came down and established our faith. Amen. Thank God for the Old Testament. The Old Testament paved the way for Jesus Christ. That's what it did. The New Testament tells us that the law was our schoolmaster. That its job was to teach us that we were destitute. And that we were hopeless. And that we could not save ourselves. Amen. Let me tell you. Read the Ten Commandments and it's already time to give up. Because if you've broken one, you've broken them all. And there, in using the law, the Lord showed us that we just cannot do it on our own. And because He could swear by no greater, He swore by Himself. And here in Hebrews chapter 2, it tells us that the Lord, it pleased God to make Jesus a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death. And why did He do that? He did that he, he, because He created us, and He was the author of our faith. Amen. He's the one who, who started it, who wrote it, who began it, and He's the finisher. And that's why He was the one who had to go all the way to the cross and had to hang there on the cross and to shed His blood for your sins and to die for your sins. And then when He had done so, He said, it is finished. Because <clears throat> He's the Alpha. He's the Omega. He's the beginning. He's the end. He is the author and He is the finisher of our faith. That's His creation of our faith. We see His confirmation of our faith. And here's what it said. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, for the joy that was set before Him, 
endured the cross, despising the shame. The joy that was set before Him. That joy that was set before Him was the joy of fulfilling the will of His Father and the joy of saving us because He loved us. Amen. That He went to the cross gladly, suffering, even though He really didn't want to, He did it gladly that He might please His Father and that He might rescue us from eternal damnation. That Jesus Christ, not only did He create the faith and, well, this is what's going to happen and this is how it's going to go down, but then He confirmed it by going all the way to the cross. <clears throat> 1 John chapter 4 and verse 14, We have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in Him, and He in God. And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love. And he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in Him. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as He is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. Verse 19. We love Him, because He first loved us. Jesus did not talk a big talk. He did what He said He would do. He said, I have come to do the will of my Father. And in John chapter 3, sitting down there with Nicodemus, that curious Pharisee who was coming in the night and hiding from his brethren, because he knew there was just something about this man, Jesus, the Lord Jesus said this, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, and when he said those words, he was saying, God has sent me and He is giving me as a sacrifice for all humanity. That was a long time before he went to the cross. He didn't just talk the talk. He walked the walk. He confirmed our faith. It's one thing to say, you know, Jesus was a great man. Jesus was a prophet. Or Jesus was a wise man. I would actually, I would actually defer and say that's, that's untrue. You can't say Jesus was just a prophet. You can't say He was a good man. You can't say that He was a wise man because He's either the Son of God or a liar. The, 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 the alternate you know, uh, religions of the world, the Islam, even some of them want to say, well, Jesus was a prophet. What sort of prophet says He's the Son of God and isn't? A false prophet. Amen? What sort of wise man says he is the literal incarnate Son of God, and is it uh, an unwise man? He's not, he's not a good man. He's not a prophet. And he was not just some guy who says some good things. He's either who he said he was, or he's a liar. And I can tell you this morning, he's no liar. He didn't just talk a big talk and say he was this and say he was going to do that. He said, I'm going to go, I'm going to lay this body down, and then I'm going to pick it up again. And guess what he did? That, exactly what He said He would do. He confirmed our faith. Not, our, not just our faith, but imagine being those 12 disciples, or 11 rather, who put their faith in this man and, and walked away from their lives, walked away from their livelihoods, quit fishing and, and quit doing these things and just started walking with the Lord. And the Lord saying all these things. And, and they're like, well, Lord, when are you going to set up your kingdom? And then one day He dies a terrible death. And they're all standing around and going, did we put our faith in the wrong person? But then, He arose. 
And when He did, He didn't just create this faith in them. He confirmed it. You had your faith in the right man. I am who I said I was. And as Thomas is standing around saying, I'll not believe it until I can touch him and touch the holes and touch the hole in the side. And here Jesus appears. He says, here I am, Thomas. Come on. Touch, touch, touch my side. Touch my hands. And Thomas said, Lord. And he just knew in that moment because his faith was confirmed. And Jesus confirmed that it wasn't just some, just some good idea or it all sounded nice or it sounded good, but it was real and it was really Him. And He's really the Son of God. And He loved us enough. They went all the way to the cross as a sheep before His shears, silent. He opened not His mouth. And that's exactly what He did. Endured the cross, despising the shame. Then we see His continuation of our faith. It says this in our verse here in Hebrews chapter 12. He's set before Him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. It would have been enough for Him to say, well, I did it, I died, I resurrected, and now you can all go to heaven. Good luck. But He didn't. He went to heaven, and He is set down at the right hand of the Father. And Hebrews chapter 7, verse 24 says this, This man, because he continueth ever, hath an unchangeable priesthood, Wherefore He is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by Him, seeing He ever liveth to make intercession for them. 1 John chapter 2, verse 1, My little children, these things I write unto you, that you sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. For He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. That even now, He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and ever liveth to make intercession for us. That all these years later, and all the sin and wretchedness of man that has continued throughout all this time, and that we fail God, and we fail God, and we do wrong, and we do wrong, that if we come to Him, He ever liveth to make intercession for us. That when we pray, that Jesus takes our prayer, and He presents them as an intercessor to God, and God moves on our behalf. Why? Because He is our faith. He is the person of our faith. Our faith is not based on some idea. Our faith is not based on some future that we want or, or some enlightenment. No, it's based on a person. A man who was the Son of God and is the Son of God and lives to this day to make intercession for us. If your faith is, on, is in Calvary Road Baptist Church, you're going to get let down. If your faith is in me, you're going to get let down. If your faith is in your family or your strength or your job, it's going to let you down. But if you put your faith in Christ, He'll never let you down. The person of our faith. Then I want you to see our personal faith. Romans chapter 10, verse number 14. Romans 10, 14, Paul says this, and Romans 10, by the way, is a pretty important chapter in the Bible. Verse number 14, after explaining how to be saved, he says this, How then shall they call on Him in whom they have not believed? And How shall they believe in Him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel, for Isaiah saith, Lord, who hath believed, I report, verse 17. So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. 
our personal faith. Faith cometh by hearing. First, I want you to see this concerning our personal faith. <clears throat> Look at the availability of our faith. I told you earlier at the beginning there in the introduction of the message, in Romans chapter 12, the Bible says this in verse 3, For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that's among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. God has given to each man faith. Isn't it interesting that God says that the way that you're saved is by putting your faith in the completed work at Calvary in Jesus Christ? And then you look up and say, God, but how can I believe? And He says, well, here's the faith you need. He literally sent His Son to die for our sins, died for our sins, and created the road to heaven, and then gave us the one thing we needed to receive it. Amen. He's got the gift for us, and He's going to take your hand and put faith in it that gives you the strength to reach out and accept that gift, that it really is a complete work of God, and that you're just really a bystander, just like Abraham standing there and watching as the furnace and the smoke and, and the, the lamp were going and walking the circle around that sacrifice, and he's standing by getting all the benefit without having to take any of the problem. So does God in our salvation. Give us the gift of salvation through the gospel and give us the faith that we need by His liberal grace into our hearts and puts them together so that we can be saved. That's a personal salvation. It's the availability of faith. It's this. Well, Brother Paul, I just had trouble believing. Why well, don't you understand something? God will help you believe. Amen. God will give you what you need to trust in Him. The problem is when we come to God with a closed heart, if you'll just open your heart and let God, He'll give you all the faith you need to believe. It's amazing how God can change a person through the measure of faith. But God has given us, that's the availability of our faith. I want you to see the achievement of our faith. It's our faith that saves us. Justification through faith. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein time passed you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. Well, that describes me. That describes me, who at one point was just full of sin, full of wickedness, full of carnality, just only interested in what pleased me and only interested in what I wanted, not interested in what God wanted, and just obedient to my own desires and my own lust of my flesh and, and the lust of my mind. And by, I was by nature a child of wrath, which means, very simply, if I had died in that state, I'd have gone to a devil's hell. Verse 4, But God, who is rich in mercy, for His great love wherewith He loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace are you saved. And hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come He might show the exceeding riches of His grace and His kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. What is the achievement of our faith? What is it that faith can do for us? The same thing it did for Abraham. 
Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness. And if we will come to God and put our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, God will count it to us for righteousness. He will impute His righteousness into our account because here's the thing you've got to understand. You can't do it. You cannot live clean enough. There is no scenario in which you live your life the best that you possibly can. And I mean live better than any man or any woman has in the last century. or I mean better than Mother Teresa. Just live it as good as you can and give all you've got to the poor and do nothing but charity and, and just live a squalid lifestyle and help others and help the sick and do all you can and then one day stand before God and that all the good you've done would outweigh the sin you've done. There is no scenario in which that comes out in your favor. Zero. If there was, then there would have been no reason for Jesus to have come and died for your sins. But if you've broken one of those commandments from birth till death, you failed. Because God cannot abide sin. But if you've broken them all, broken every one of those commandments and just failed God and made a mess as Paul described here, you were obedient to the prince of the power of the air, that you were among those who were living by the lust of their flesh and the desires of their flesh and their mind, and they were children of wrath, and they were dead in trespasses and sins, that no matter what you've done, if you'll come to Christ, believing with faith, by grace, are you saved through faith? It is the gift of God. God has given it to all men a measure of faith. But it is our job to give that faith back to God. And if we will just give that faith back to God, He will give to us a perfect gift. Salvation. That's the achievement of our faith. Then we see the authority of our faith. In a world where everyone wants to believe in something, very few want to believe in the Gospel. Very few. They'll believe anything. Amen. I know there's a lot of talking and, and stuff on social media and on the news and everything, and I don't, I don't like to get caught up too much in that stuff. But anybody who will take an objective viewpoint will agree that the world is receptive of any religion as long as it's not Christianity. As long as it's not true Christianity. You can even be a Christian so long as you don't really believe the Bible. If you believe, and here's what's funny about it. If you go read the Quran, have any of y'all ever read the Quran? It's not good. Let me say it that way. It's not good. And in spite of the fact that they, they don't know anything about the Quran and what it says, they will, they will preach. I'm talking godless, floating heads on the TV will preach that Islam is a peaceful religion and that Christianity is a hateful and evil religion while one literally is taking lives and the other just believes the Bible. Amen. That's just the fact of the matter. Right? And that, that's, that, you can say, well, that's biased. And maybe it is. I'm not going to say I'm not biased. I'm obviously biased toward the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And so should you be. But taking an objective viewpoint, you can pray. I mean, that gentleman who prayed amen and a woman, he mentioned some God's names and it was perfectly fine. But if he just said, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, there would have been a lot of people who had a problem with it. They can name any Hindu God or, or Allah or any of them and they pat them on the back. Bless you. 
But if you say the name of Jesus Christ, they've got a problem. Do you know why? Because they're the children of wrath and the children of disobedience. And there is only one name under heaven whereby you must be saved. And it's not Muhammad. It's not Allah. It's not Buddha. It's not Confucianism. It's not Taoism. There is no religion outside anywhere in this world, no name, no creed, no book, no text, no faith, anywhere outside of Jesus Christ. And that's why the world can't handle it. Because at the very mentioning of His name, they're condemned. Because His name is a name of power. It's not just a name. It is the name. It's the best name. The greatest name. Jesus Christ, Emmanuel, the Son of God. Acts chapter 4 and verse 10, as Paul and as Peter, I'm sorry, rather than them, had stepped out and they'd begun to perform miracles after being filled with the Holy Spirit, he preached there to him. He said this, Be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him does this man stand before you whole. This is the stone which was set in all of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby ye must be saved. That's why Paul said in Romans chapter 1, verse 16, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. That is the authority of our faith. The authority of our faith is that there is no other. There's no substitution. Joel Osteen went on Larry King and was asked point blank, is Jesus Christ the only way to heaven? And he crawled dad, wishy-washy, would not say that Jesus was the only way to heaven. And if he's a saved man, one day he'll answer to God for that. I'm here to stand right before you and tell you Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. He's the authority. He's not one way. He's the way. He's not a truth. He's the truth. That's it. It's Jesus Christ plus nothing, minus nothing. Our faith in the finished work of Christ at Calvary is the singular and only way for a human being to escape hell and gain access to heaven. Period. That's our personal faith. And let me say this before I move on to my last point. Saying that you're a Christian doesn't mean that you're saved. Coming to Calvary Road Baptist Church doesn't mean that you're saved. Being raised in a good home. Being raised in a preacher's home. Being raised to always believe the Bible and always go to church and, and all those things, none of those things are salvation. The only thing that is, is you personally putting your faith, and your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. There's no amount of praying that your mom and dad can do to get you saved. There's no amount of praying or talking that I can do that will get you saved. And just because you're here, and just because you've been in church your whole life, and just because you've heard this, or just because you've said that or done this, doesn't mean that you're saved. It's a personal thing between you and God. Let's look at the proof of our faith. James chapter 2, 
James chapter 2, verse 14 says this, What doth it profit, my brethren, though a man say he hath faith, and have not works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled, notwithstanding you give them not those things which are needful to the body, what doth it profit? Even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he had offered Isaac his son upon the altar? Seest thou how faith wrought with his works, and by works was faith made perfect? And the Scripture was fulfilled which saith, Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. You see then how that by works a man is justified, and not by faith only. Likewise also was not Rahab the harlot justified by works, when she had received the messengers, and had sent them out another way. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. There are a lot of people who struggle with this passage. Because James makes some pretty pointed and straight up statements about faith and works. But let me encourage you, first of all, never fear your Bible. It's going to lead you right. But we can understand from what we know about faith that the Bible teaches us very plainly in Ephesians chapter number 2 that by grace are you saved through faith and not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. It is not our works that save us. It is our faith that saves us. We understand that. It is faith in the finished work of Calvary. So what is James talking about? James has had somebody rub him the wrong way. And the Lord has inspired him to write this passage. Because here's what he said. You show me your faith without works, and I'll show you my faith by my works. Here's the problem. It's the problem that certain religions and certain denominations have with those of us who believe in eternal security. And eternal security is simply the understanding that the Bible teaches that once you have been saved, you cannot become unsaved. And that's biblical. But, are we to use grace as a crutch to sin? Paul said, God forbid. That's the same message that James is sending here. And here's what he's saying. Y'all want to talk about faith, but where's your works? Y'all want to talk about your faith, put your money where your mouth is. Where is your faith? And when Paul writes about faith in Ephesians chapter 4, and he says we are in one faith, here's what he's saying. Now that one faith ought to be exhibited in each one of us. Let me give you this real quickly. The establishing of our faith. The establishing of our faith is very simply this. Abraham's faith was firmly established when he put so much trust in God that he was willing to sacrifice his own son. James mentions that here in the passage we read. Was not our father Abraham justified by works when he offered Isaac upon his son? No. He, I mean, yes, he was justified. It's not just his works. It's his works and his faith. Here's what he's saying. When Abraham went and he offered his son Isaac and was going to sacrifice him, God believed his faith. Abraham proved his faith to God. That's what he did. And then God said, no, you don't have to sacrifice your son. I provided a lamb. And that's what that was. And what James is saying is this. Abraham didn't say he had faith. He showed he had faith. Can you all see that? 
He established His faith. I believe that's why the book of Romans chapter 10 tells us that if you're going to be saved, the Bible says, with the heart, man believeth unto righteousness, but with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. There is a moment of salvation. It is not just, oh, well, you know, when I was a kid, something happened, I had some kind of... No, there is a moment where you went and you put your faith in Christ and it doesn't have to be in church. It could be some got saved in church and some got saved at home and some got saved in the field or at work or wherever it may have been. But there was a moment in your life when you put your faith into works. And that works was that you took your heart and you said, God, I'm putting my life in your hands and I'm trusting you. And it was a work of salvation. And Jesus did all the work. But it still takes an act of faith on your part. Words are empty. That's the message of James. Words are empty. It's easy to say, I have faith. But he's looking at y'all at all them and saying, where's your works? You say you got all this faith. Where's it at? Because I don't see anything. I see a bunch of people who are dead, lifeless, doing nothing. Amen. That's pretty harsh. But that's what he's saying. And when we talk about the proof of our faith, we have to understand that our faith must be established by our works. uh, That's the establishing of our faith. We want to see the exhibiting of our faith. (coughs) uh, James said this, Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. It's easy to claim that you're a part of, quote, the faith. To say, I'm a Christian. Amen. I mentioned, I think recently, we're talking about if you go up and down the streets here, you go up and down the streets anywhere, especially here in our state, you know, we're down here in the Bible Belt, Southern Kentucky, amen. And it's, you know, here we are, bless God. And if you go around and you knock on doors, everybody's a Christian. Now, maybe that's not as prevalent as it once was, but it's still pretty prevalent. Well, I'm a Christian. What church do you go to? Oh, well, I go to this church. Oh, you know, or that one, or yeah, I know I'm saved. I ain't been to church in 30 years. I, I've lived a life of sin and degradation. But one time I was at a church somewhere and I made a profession, so I know I'm saved. That is the person James is talking about. You say you got faith, but where is it? Because I can't see it. Uh, nobody can see it. You can't even see it. All you've got are your words, but you need works. Don't be just a hearer of the word but doers also. That's what James also said. He said, I need this. I want to see it. Because if I don't see it, I don't got to believe it. That's what he's saying. And he said it here. You say, well, Brother Paul, what about Ephesians chapter 2? By grace you say through faith and not of yourselves. It's the gift of God. Amen. Verse 9. Not of works, lest any man should boast. Amen. Look at verse 10. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. When Jesus saves us, He creates us unto good works. Amen. When a man or a woman gets saved, they bring into their heart, they bring into their soul a part of the Holy Spirit and become saved, that they will begin to exhibit their faith. How could something so Powerful, which the Bible calls such great salvation. How could something so powerful, so miraculous, as the indwelling of the Holy Spirit occur, and there be absolutely no sign of it? 
no signs of life. You can scan and scan and scan, but from all per, all vision, all purview, all observation, just looks dead. And James says, faith without works is dead. Why? Because when God saves us through faith, He creates us unto good works. So what is the proof of our faith? We see the person of our faith as the Lord Jesus Christ. We see our personal faith is us going to Him in the moment of salvation and putting our faith in Him. But what's the proof of our faith? You know what it's not? Saying it. Saying, I believe, is not the proof of your faith. It's good works. That is the exhibiting of our faith. So, Brother Paul, what are you trying to say? Let me give you this and we're done. The examining of our faith. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5, here's what Paul said. Examine yourselves whether ye be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know ye not your own selves how that Jesus Christ is in you except ye be reprobates? Here's what Paul said to a bunch of people who said, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian. He said this, examine yourselves whether ye be in the faith. Just because mom is and dad is and grandpa was or your husband is, your wife is, or your, none of that makes you a part of the faith. What makes you part of the faith is you putting your faith and trust in what the Lord Jesus Christ did at Calvary and the sign and the symbol and the proof of that faith and that life in you is the fruit of the Spirit which produces in us good works. I'd have trouble putting my faith in something that in my life has never produced anything good. I can honestly say every good thing I've ever done has been because of what God put in me at eight years old. That I have seen the Lord use me to do things and step back and go, God, I don't even know what happened. <laughs> How does that happen? And the Lord's saying, it's me. That God, I've seen people go and their life change so drastically and so powerfully. God take people out of the rut and put them on the right path and make out of them a good and profitable to the ministry, good and profitable to His work. And how and why? Because salvation is not just some event. It's not just some rite of passage. It's not you becoming a man or becoming a woman or, or this or that or some ritualism. It is a rebirth. Amen. That old things pass away. Behold, all things are become new. How can that happen and there not be some proof? There is. We, when we are saved by grace through faith, that not of ourselves, the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast, we become His workmanship. Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Salvation is not 
by works, but salvation produces works. And if all you have are works of darkness, where are the good works? Where is the workmanship? Oh, Brother Paul, I know I'm saved. Amen. Amen. Examine yourself. Anybody, anywhere, of any age, no matter how old you are, how long you've been in church, where you're from, or, or what your pedigree is, ought to be able to at any moment say, Lord, I just want to examine myself here. I know I've done this, but Lord, you know, I just want to make sure. And if you're saved, the Lord is not going to leave that up to question. That's what Paul said. He said, examine yourselves, whether ye be in the faith. He said, ye yourselves know whether you're a part or not. You're the ones that you know yourself, whether or not you're a part of the family of God, whether or not you're saved. You know, unless you be reprobates, you know. You're the one who needs to examine yourself. You're the one who needs to prove yourself and make sure because let me just tell you right now, you better be sure. I, I wouldn't want to live another day unsure. Amen. And I can tell you this morning, sitting in here this morning, there's people, and I would, I mean, I, I fully believe just about everybody in this building is saved, looking around. I know many of you have got a professional salvation. And let me make something very clear. I have, I'm not interested in trying to talk you out of your salvation. I couldn't if I wanted to. But I am interested in you being saved. Are you? Are you a part of the faith? There's only one. And it's not in me. And it's not in what mama said and daddy said. And it's not in this church. It's in our Lord. It's in Jesus Christ. It's in what He did at Calvary. Do you know Him? Do you? You can. Take a moment. Consider. Examine. Are you a part of the faith? I think so. You don't have to think. You can know today. Right up here, be a good place to find out. Right up here, be a good place to come and say, well, I, I grew up in church, or maybe I did, maybe I didn't, or I, I thought this, or I thought that, but I have never truly put my faith in the Lord Jesus Christ as my Savior. Why don't you come do that this morning? Miss Linda, would you be able to play something on this, on this organ for us? I'd like to have everyone stand this morning. A little bit different of a message, maybe. But as we all stand, let's, let's have everyone with your eyes closed and your heads bowed, not looking this way. At this moment, I want you to understand something. There is nothing, nothing, nothing more important Nothing than this. Knowing yes or no. I'm a child of God or I'm a child of wrath. I'm a saved individual or I'm lost. I know the Lord or I don't know the Lord. There's nothing more important than that. Absolutely nothing. There's, there's, I cannot stress the absolute necessity of being 100% sure that if you died today, that you'd go to heaven. If you're here this morning and you don't know that 100% for sure, would you please 
come down here this morning. Step out. Come down here. The Lord is waiting for you. He is waiting and ready and desirous that He might save you. That He might bring you into His family. That He might welcome you and use you. Nothing is more important than that. Won't you come today? Won't you bow the knee here say, well, I'm scared. Amen, I understand that. It's worth it. It's worth it to know Him this morning. It's worth it to know with no doubt who He is, that He is who He said He is, that He'll do what He said He would do. He's the God of heaven. Won't you come this morning? I'm going to pray. And if you need someone to pray with you, I'll be glad to pray with you. There's others in here this morning. Be glad to pray with you. Come to Him this morning. Don't wait another day. Don't put it off till tomorrow. There's no promise of tomorrow. Today is the day. Well, I'm shy. I'm nervous. None of that matters more than you and your soul and knowing where you're going to spend eternity. Don't delay. Father in heaven, Lord, this morning, I thank you, God, for your mercy. Thank you, God, for your grace. Thank you, Lord, that you saw fit to send your Son that you might die on the cross for our sins, God. Lord, thank you, God, that you've established for us one faith and one name. God, no confusion. Uh, Lord, no looking this way or that, but we know and understand that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. and He is our only way to heaven. And God, I'm thankful this morning, God, that you outlined so clearly in the Scriptures, Lord, that if we will come and confess, Lord, and believe in our heart, Lord, under righteousness, Lord, that you'll put it into us, Lord, that you'll save us. God, if we'll just put our faith, Lord, in what you did at Calvary, Lord, repenting of our sins and laying our lives in your hands, God, that you'll meet us there, that you'll save us. God, I pray this morning, if there is one here who does not know you, God, Lord, please don't let them leave today in the shape that they came in. God, I pray that they would be assured of their salvation this morning. God, that they would know without a shadow of a doubt, Lord, where they're going when they die. God, that they could put their trust in you. God, that you'd save them. Lord, I love you. God, I trust you. I know that you're good. Lord, I know that you're merciful. Lord, I pray this morning, if there is one, God, who is lost, God, I pray that they'd come today. God, if they won't, Lord, I pray, go with them. Lord, I pray, speak in their ear and speak in their heart, Lord, and be long-suffering and bring them into the knowing salvation. Lord, we love you. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you again for listening to the Calvary Road Baptist Church Podcast. If you would like to learn more about our church in Shepherdsville, Kentucky, you can find the link to our website in the show notes to www.calvaryroadbaptistchurch.com. We're so thankful that you've taken the time to listen to today's sermon, and we hope that the Lord will use it to edify you in the faith. If you'd like to help spread the word about this podcast, you can do so by leaving us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts, or by telling a friend. Thank you again, and have a blessed day in the Lord. Thank you.